The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub in the Bloom, episode 33. Going to continue our hot stove recap because it just doesn't stop. The list is longer than it was last time. It's so much fun, but we're going to kind of try to dig in deeper on each topic to get you the full fantasy impact instead of just blowing through them. So if it takes a while, so be it. But it's fun. This will be our last episode of the 2022 calendar year. So uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays for whatever you're doing there. But before I keep doing all that, let me be a nice guest here, our host, and introduce my co-host. I'm on Twitter at BDentric, and my co-host is always on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, my friend? We're doing great. We are we are more caffeinated than usual. We This is the matinee episode. Usually we record like 8.30 our time after the kids are down after a long day. Um I mean, I know for me, like once we start going, adrenaline just kicks yes. in and that sort of thing. But the energy level today is is much higher than than normal. Um, recording this around lunchtime and and yeah, have family in town for the holiday. We're heading down to Arizona on Christmas, actually. So getting ready for that. Um, but excited. Yeah. Last like you said, last 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 episode of the year. It's been a hell of a year, man. Um, it has. Glad 30, we're doing this and, and many more good ones to come. 33 episodes. That's not too nope. shabby, my friend. Not too shabby from a let's talk about it after F past two years ago and see where it goes. So that's yeah. pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I think we started like I think our first episode was, it was late in, March, something like that. So yeah, because it was one the of the first three months of the year. But. Yeah, we jumped in and then it's been a fun ride ever since. More and more fun as we go. And honestly, like uh, Ryan and I will pass messages and we talk often as a the listeners have been awesome. That's just one thing I'll say. They, they jumped on this train real quick and trusted our two brains for some reason, too. Or at least trusted my brain for some reason. Ryan's the Bloomboard guy. So he's got that going for him to, uh, to make this work. So that's been pretty cool to see that grow. 
looking forward to seeing where it goes in 2023. I'll tell you that much. So absolutely. All right, let's get into it because I could talk sappy stuff all day, but we'll start with this one because he's not a giant anymore. We won't get into the Korea stuff. If you want that, listen to the last episode or just call me sometime. I'm still, I was, I was gonna, I know you've been Bubba, you've been, you've been the four, this is your fourth this week. So I was going to poke the bear again with Korea. You can I'll, go I'll for pass. It. No, I'll pass. I'm, I'm pissed. Like I told you off air, every time I go on Twitter, there's something new that makes it look worse than the first time. It's just, it's embarrassing. It's so are, are you more so we'll, we'll go there just a sec so like our last episode Correa signed while we were recording and yep. if anyone wants to check out Bubba's live reaction I did kind of pull that off the video and posted that one so that was pretty hilarious yep. your reaction was not very positive at the time again just seeing it like that second for the first time mm-hmm. now that you know you had Correa and now that you don't have Correa and you you being the Giants are sitting on a boatload of money that's unspent. Would you rather still have Correa, or is it more like the kind of the embarrassment, the saving face, the process at which San Francisco did or didn't shake this out? Oh, it's the embarrassment for me because I never wanted to Correa. That's obvious by last week. Right. What I'm pissed off about is we spent a week doing this where we could have signed Swanson, we could have signed Drury, we could have signed a bunch of other guys. Uh, Swanson plus Rodon. <laughs> would have equal Correa's contract. Like these are things they could have done, but no, we already had the money tied up. We're done. Now all those guys are gone. You look at what do you got left? Gene Segura. Good ball player. Not Carlos Correa. Uh, you just go down the list and it's like, you literally did this song and dance. And then you're like, wait a minute. This is a high school. This is a junior high dance. Girls over there. Guys over here. Correa over here. Giants over here. Cold feet. I'm not coming into the water anymore. So this isn't working. And it's just, they blew it completely. They have more money than God to spend. And the worst part is it was a Boris client, which is never good. And there's a Boris client that's going to be a free agent next year that everybody <laughs> wants. Pretty sure that's not going to work out too well now. So Shohei Otani might as well not even be a dream of the Giants because that's not coming along. It's just like – and that'd be who they'd have to get to make me happy right now because they, they wasted all of this money. All of this money, like sign Shohei right now. And there's already rumors that they're talking about, well – trade everybody but Doval and Webb and start rebuilding with prospects. And I'm like, oh, God. They were so yeah. like this. It's, it's just the world is burning, and it's December. So much fun. That's why I tweeted. I said, it's good to know I've already lost the 2023 season. Like, it's the, this is what fancy baseball is for, people. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a great point on that, like, lost, lost week where they pretty yep. much were dancing with Correa, and now that that fell through, there's nothing left. Like that's yeah. kind of the killer. Cause I think they that's would go biggest. after Dansby. I think yeah. they would have spent that money elsewhere if they um, resolve the Correa situation quickly. So. Yep. That's my biggest anger about it. They wasted all that time and money and they still kept the money. All, all right. right. All right. Enough yeah. of that. We, we got, we got, Bubba's going to go, Bubba's going to go, go downhill real quick here. So we got, I can, the Correa thing really gets me angry. So, uh, uh, Rodon, Carlos Rodon, who I loved as a giant. I know we've talked, we've talked about it many times on this show. We were, I think you're with me. We we're hesitant in draft season last year. Cause like, why would the white Sox not give him the qualifying offer? Like it made no sense. Well, he was fine you know, outside of like a little you know, hiccup. He was fine. All he was awesome in 2022 gets a big deal. Five years with the Yanks. Um, he had his press conference on Thursday, right before we recorded clean shaven. That was the big headline all over Twitter. But, um, you know, you switch, you switch divisions, you switch. To a big division, that's interesting. But um, Rodon's been so good; he's been dominant. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on him. 
It's just funny how, so like, I mean, with pitchers, there's only so much you can kind of look at. Like, I think the conversation's a little bit more interesting with hitters because there is, you know, team lineup and batting order and park and all that stuff. With pitchers, it's more, you know, what's what's the run support? What's the what's the park look like? And it's funny, like, I don't know, with Rodon, I mean, it used to be a, like, a death knell to go from the NL West to the AL East. Like, that used to be terrible for a pitcher. I don't really see it that way anymore for, I mean, a couple reasons. First and foremost is the DH. That's the big thing. I mean, run scoring was actually higher in the national league last season than it was in the American league with the DH. So like that's, um, that's something that's just, I mean, that's years have ingrained, you know, you don't want to go to the AL as a pitcher. That's, that's not the case anymore. Balanced schedule AL East used to be kind of the division you don't want a pitcher to go into because you face so many of those teams every uh, so often every year schedules a little bit more balanced and really from a park factor standpoint, the more we kind of know about um, Oracle about Yankee stadium with Savant's baseball Savant's park factors, they're almost the same. If you look at what one, the, the, the key metric that I look at and you can Google Savant uh, park factors, it's right there is the Wobon contact for um each of these stadiums and oracle and yankee stadium are almost neck and neck so it's almost from you know from an actual park factor standpoint it's pretty neutral as well and so the last thing i would say with rodan is the run support he's going to get more run support with the yankees so i think all in all like this is a it's a really great move for rodan for his fantasy value you'd have to think the yankees did their due diligence <laughs> Giants-esque on we're, that we're physical, just to, just to twist that nice. He, by the way, Cray had his physical today, passed it in flying colors. Pat, flying colors so, with yeah, the Mets, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, that, every, every single player we talk about, we're going to try and weave in a little uh -huh. bit of a, a little bit of a twist. Of I night. should go change my energy drink out for high noons if we're going to do this all episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but presumably, Rodon passed those that that physical, and it's just another kind of good sign. So, um, yeah. great move for him, I think. Yeah, I'm rooting for him. Like, I'm always going to have it in the back of my head how injured he was for like so many years in a row. That's just scary. Any pitcher, you talk shoulders, you talk elbows. I'm nervous about that no matter what. But he's been really good for two years, like really good. And it's kind of like my Gossman problems I've always had. Like, I just need to say, hey, the dude's good. Like, let's get over it. Rodon's good when healthy. And right now he's healthy. That's all you can go off of. Um, he's got an ADP in the month of December on DCs of like 53.8, going slightly in front of Julio Arias, Max Scherzer, Zach Wheeler. He's going in front of all three of them. They're all like two picks apart but that's an interesting discussion like do you the strikeout guy that's got the back issues in scherzer the young guy we've talked about many times about like we're starting to buy him on urias because of the wins but the you know innings might not be there and then wheeler's just a hog like a horse so it's an interesting like a uh, little package there of four pitchers that will break down as it goes on but rodon's got the love he's up there in the like elite tier of uh pitchers at least in the like back end of you know was that round four yep, uh, so that round. so that's that's a really good good spot for him and a good pairing so it'll be interesting to see if that changes anymore with the yankees news but uh i think it kind of backs up even more what you're saying there's really it's like a lateral move if not a better move going from the giants to the yankees and uh the adp kind of reflects that as well yep agreed dansby swanson could have been a giant could have been yep should have yep. been I was actually saying that last week when they signed Correa. Like you could have signed Dansby Swanson. <laughs> Absolutely should have been. Oh. Yeah, should have been. Um, except there is a good story. I don't know if you heard it. His grandfather, lifelong Chicago Cubs fan, passed away like a week ago. Two days later, he signed with the Cubs. So there's a good story there. Uh, plus his wife plays for the Chicago soccer team. 
Um, so there's a couple trends there, but uh, could have been a giant. They have, they have airfare. It would have worked. Um, but Dansby Swanson signs with the Chicago Cubs. Great for Dansby. I love Dansby. I think a lot of us like Dansby power speed. It'll be interesting to see what takes place because I just looked at the Chicago Cubs lineup a little different. Like if Roster Resource has it right, Nico Horner leading off Swanson second, Ian Happ, Seiya Suzuki, Cody Bellinger doesn't really scream Atlanta Braves offense surrounding Dansby Swanson. But, you know, going to play every day, going to be a beast. It's a good move for him. But to me, it might take a little hit in his fancy value. I'm not sure how you look at it. I think it's mostly neutral. So you kind of have to weigh the kind of the worst lineup with Chicago compared to Atlanta. But the fact that Dansby Swanson, I, I and, and the, the research in the baseball forecaster this year that Ed DeCaria put out on playing time is is absolutely fascinating stuff. And Dansby Swanson pops on, on a metric we, we're calling plate appearances per active week. And Ed does some really good research on how that is kind of like a skill for a player to be able to be in the lineup every single day, like you said, Bubba and and play that often and that's only going to get better with swanson at or near the top of that order so like swanson is a compiler i don't think that's necessarily a negative um i could see dansby swanson absolutely going over 700 plate appearance just because the guy plays every single day and his spot in the lineup will um accentuate that so from that aspect i think dansby swanson kind of stays where he is in terms of in terms of ADP, I think he's like the sixth, seventh shortstop off the board going right after like Corey Seager. HQ's projections have Swanson a little bit higher, and that's after the move uh, for Seager. I just like the kind of the all-around package. I, I think that five category, kind of modest five category. Yes, he doesn't have the great power, doesn't have the great speed, but over 700 plate appearances that he can rack up over a season. Um you factor in the runs. I think it, I think it's a fine move. So the Cubs are going to let him play and rack up those plate appearances. Where if he stayed in Atlanta, he was with a with a healthy Ozzy Albies. Swanson's more of a kind of sixth or seventh hitter. And that's the biggest thing, like you said. It's going to we talk like you said. Ed had the great article. You know, Zimmerman has said it for a long time. Different spots in the order, obviously, as like the season goes on, they've done the math. Like it's a massively difference uh, on plate appearances, which you can rack up the counting stats and. Dansby is like, yeah, Dansby, Albies, and now you throw in even Michael Harris. There's like a revolving door at the top of the order behind Ronald Acuna. Like, Ozzy and Dansby like thrived at the front when Acuna was out. Now there's the mouse to feed. It's, it kind of depends on where it's going to go. In Chicago, he's locked into the top. So that's just a good spot as well. And Nico Horner was getting better as the year went on, so he might get on base for him too. You never know and see where that one takes him. And Nico ran a little bit. So the other kind of thing we don't know is will Chicago give Swanson a green ish light? And I mean, they, they did with Nico Herner. So I, I and Hap ran too. Yep. And Hap ran, Hap ran as well. They they let certain guys run that could, it seems like. So yeah, he might be right. Heck didn't Wilson Contreras almost get 10, like eight stolen bases or something. (laughs) Like they might actually be a running team. And I think about it, like they might be more than we're giving them credit for. Um, And what do they have to lose? (laughs) Like let the boys run. So I think the biggest thing, and we can stop after this, is uh, if Seiya Suzuki can be the guy we thought he'd yeah. be, yeah. that's where I it really that's thrives. Huge. You're that's right. Huge. You're right. I was going to kind of say Bellinger too, but I, I kind of think that ship has sailed. Like Seiya yeah. Suzuki could be a, a real stud, and I took him in our Gladiator two weeks mm-hmm. ago when we did that on the on during the show. I believe in Suzuki, but you're right. If Suzuki can kind of drive home and keep flipping that lineup over, that would um, be big. Be big. Yep. Yep. Uh, J.D. Martinez signs with the Los Angeles Dodgers. A great move. It's cheap. Hey, could have been a giant. Um, really, really cheap move. I think it's a great spot for him. A guy, you know, 
had his issues last year, like we all know. The thing, I think the talent's still there. He's only like 35. He's not that old. Going to sit right in the middle of that lineup with you know Muncie bouncing back and those other guys. I think it's a great spot just to kind of not be the main focal point or one of the main focal points, just be a dude in that lineup. And that's going to help him tremendously get back his confidence and just become a world-class hitter again. So I, I love this move for the Dodgers. and That really hurt coming out of my mouth. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a solid move. I think for fantasy and real life, honestly. I mean, you could argue, I don't, I don't know, world-class, but you could argue he was kind of this – J.D. Martinez was the same hitter that he was in 2021 when Martinez hit 286 with 28 homers, 99 RBI. The barrel rate was exactly – the same in 2022 to 2021, 12.4% and had 12 fewer home runs last season because of that. The K rate was up like a half percent, 23.7, 24.3. That's rounding error. So this was basically the same guy in 2021 that was on his quote unquote down year last year. And the fact that the Dodgers of all teams realized that and pounced on it and seemingly will give JD Martinez. I don't know about like full, full time at DH LA likes to kind of rotate in like a Will Smith or, or Max Muncie into that spot a little bit. But I think JD Martinez plays five or six times a week in DH on a great lineup. Um, it's a, it's a fantastic landing spot for someone who I thought was going to rebound anyway, for those reasons that I just stated and the LA case bolsters that even more, probably ups his ADP as well, unfortunately, but, um, another guy who I took in the gladiator two weeks ago. Yeah, so that was, you're just, you're just coming up roses right now, Ryan. Yeah. But yeah, we look at JD. You got to win these titles in December. That's all that, exactly. that's all that that's counts. When they matter. That's when they matter. Um, he, his, his five ball rate rose four or his ground ball rate rose 4% last year. Five ball dropped two. literally that, could, that's a heat. That could be four or five more home runs the way JD hits the ball hard. So, um, it's really just, like you said, it's kind of just missed the big thing. And the other kind of, I don't know if it's really valid, but um, something I do like with this move, um, if people forget when Justin Turner became a good hitter, it was with L.A., J.D. and Justin used the same hitting coach to do that. Maybe now J.D.'s closer to his hitting coach to work on these things a little more. I could be way overthinking this, but that was like the first thing that came to my mind when I heard them. like, huh. That could be like a comfort zone type thing. And yeah, uh, that's interesting. Really, really get him back on track and uh, something to think about. And his ADP right now is 256. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of that is he's, he's utility only, I that's believe. True. But still, um, pretty bad. Yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be good against your Giants this year. <laughs> without, without Carlos Correa. Um, Boston Red Sox, they went and signed Justin Turner, another like team friendly deal. Um, I guess it gives you Rafael Devers backup slash I have a DH now to take JD Martinez's spot. Turner's just been a pure like professional hitter for years now. When he's on the field, he always seems to miss a little bit of time, but he's usually not DHing all the time, which he literally should just be the DH for the most part in Boston. And this is a great move to slide in that uh, lineup. Kind of takes Bogart's spot. I'm not saying he is going to replace Bogart, but so takes his spot in the order. And it still keeps at least the top part strong with Yoshida, Story, Devers, Turner, and see where it goes from there. So. It's a pretty nice move for a team that's trying to still kind of compete without breaking the bank because they let most of the free agents go. Yeah, I, I I don't think this is the move that Boston fans are going to um, forgive Hein Bloom for 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 all of the kind of for the really the Xander Bogarts debacle. The thing that I like with Turner, and one thing that I always like to look at, it doesn't draw the headlines with these, but you know, is he booting anyone from the role? Is anyone losing playing time because of this? Didn't really look like it. 
Um, like Devers is going to be at, at third and, and Turner's pretty much going to be the full-time DH. It's funny, like Justin Turner, who we just all assumed was injury prone and really kind of was throughout his yeah. career. The last two seasons combined, guess how many days on the IL he has? Um, maybe 12. He's got eight. Eight. You want, you, you want to know what's taken place the last two seasons that might have changed things for him? What's that? Designated hitter. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna yep. throw it out there. That's how it works, these guys. Look at you, him. Like Justin Turner's the perfect example of that, right there. Yep, exactly. And Boston's not gonna make him play the field yep. very often. So, yep. um, it's a. I mean, it's a downgrade in terms of the lineup, but I don't know. He's plenty over the monster. The park could be fine, and Boston, like you said, is good enough from a lineup standpoint to keep him going. So Justin Turner, like, I do wonder if this is kind of his last, if, especially if he's DH only heading into 2024, if this is kind of the the swan song for Turner in terms of his fantasy value. But for 2023 redraft, we don't really care about that. So um, and, go ahead with him. And I don't wish doom and gloom on anybody, but if, say, Tristan Casas isn't the guy, Turner can easily play first base, easily. And that's mm-hmm. something that works in their angle. Then there we go, not having to be util only again in the future. But um, like we mentioned with JD, I noticed some of these names in a, in a draft I'm doing because I'm kind of around this area in my 50s right now. Justin Turner's like an ADP of 321. And that'll go up a little bit. But that like for the third base position, what we've talked about before, one of the perks to early drafting right now is what I'll say. That's what I'll say. Like you can get a value right there. The third baseman going around, Justin Turner, Isak Paredes, Wilmer Flores, your boy, Eduardo all Escobar. All of a sudden, flying time now. Right. Yeah. Um, Gio Urshela. Like, I would take Justin Turner over yep. 100%. all those guys. So. Yeah. So, it definitely opens the door to some options in that one. The Tampa Bay Rays. Biggest contract, I believe, in Rays history, right? Biggest one. <laughs> it wasn't that big. Um, Zach Keflin signs a three-year deal with the Rays. Good for Zach. Kind of surprised some, but the dude's been good. He just – I was just like, wow, they gave him all of this? Like, really? But uh, he should slide in there. We know how the Rays handle their pitching staffs. This could be a really good spot for Zach, actually. Yeah, it could be. Like, with Eflin, it's really tough. He was really good last year, but uh, don't fall into that trap of just looking at his season-long numbers and assuming that's going to translate. Like, he was a totally different pitcher when he came out of the when he came back and was a reliever. So his last seven games when when Eflin came back, a 117 ERA, the velocity was was way up. The ground ball rate was way up. Does Tampa kind of take that approach that Eflin had as a reliever and try to make that work as a starter? He's one of those guys where the starter reliever splits are pretty wide. Um, so just be a little bit careful of that when you're projecting Eflin out for, for next year. The the kind of the the other side to that argument is, like you said, Bubba, that largest contract in Tampa history. They obviously see something. And Tampa Bay is obviously a lot smarter and you and I, no offense to you, probably you and well, I combined times. I 100% 10. agree. No insults there. <laughs> so there is a little bit of appeal to authority here in terms of, I believe they're going to make him a starter. They need the innings out of the rotation. And um, you kind of just trust that Tampa knows what they're doing here. Yep. And I think you can still trust them. So that's good. Um, I, li- I like the move. I like the move. I wouldn't go on and draft. He was more of a guy I streamed at times last year, but I could see the appeal. They, they if anything with Tampa, they know how to use the proper pitch mixes 
Yeah. And that could, and we've noticed with Eflin between the bullpen and the others, how effective he can be when you do that. So definitely. Something yeah. Like. Yep. I just keep, yeah. Keep your ear out. If they, if they make it like a Yarbrough thing, or maybe he's like a follower, uh, which would be ultimate, you know, that would be True. ideal. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe they're thinking Eflin goes, uses that, that approach that he had as a reliever and goes maybe four innings. But if that's second through fifth inning, that's pretty that's sweet. Um, so a lot depends on how Tampa um, wants to use him. The best way to learn a language, immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Taiwan Walker, pretty solid year with the Mets last year. Back-to-back years over 157 innings, which is big for Taiwan in my mind. ERA dropped last year from the year before. Signs with the Phillies. That's the part that concerns me. Uh, not the best pitcher's ballpark, as we know, but we've seen Wheeler do his thing. We've seen Nola Walker's not one of those two guys. I'll, be, I'll stop that comment real quick. But we've seen it's doable with the right setup. The the defense behind him, not great, as we know as well. But um, interesting landing spot. I'm kind of torn on him. I was kind of in on him with the Mets, kind of out on him with the Phillies. I'm a little nervous on this one. What about you? Yeah, the park kind of hurts with Taiwan. I know Philly, I mean, he's probably going to get that run support. That's going to be pretty sweet. The kind of ironic thing is Walker's going right in, in front of Ranger Suarez around 300 ADP. And I think I'd take Walker just for that kind of certainty of innings uh, for, for next year. I, I think he pitched a little bit over his head uh, last season. I, don't, I wouldn't expect another 350 ERA. I think more like 385, something like that which is fine um, over, like you said, Bubba, almost 160 innings the last two seasons and each of the last two seasons. Um, would love to see the K rate a little bit higher, like a 7.6 strikeouts per nine, a 20% K rate for walkers is not very good, but he might at least make some of that up with volume and with wins in Philly. So That's kind of a trend we're seeing here. Is, that's one thing I, I do with my drafting. I'm trying to focus on strikeout guys. I know we all try to, and eventually you just can't. But like we just talked to Eflin. We just talked Walker. They have very similar uh, strikeout situations. And then we're going to talk Jamison Tyon going to the Chicago Cubs. And he's another guy, you know, 7.66K per nine, eight points. So he's always been that seven to eight guy, similar to Tyon, similar to Eflin. And it kind of is a tough one here. But he goes to Chicago out of the three pitchers we're talking about here. And I'll let you give the, get, take the floor on Tyon in a second. I like this move the most, honestly, as weird as that sounds. Um, I've always been kind of a tie-on fan. You know, he battled injuries like last year was his first fully healthy year, close to fully healthy year in a little while. Um, now he goes to the Cubs, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how that plays out, kind of just getting out of Yankee Stadium, taking the pressure off of him, getting to the Central, 
Um, I, I'm intrigued with Jameson Ty on this next season. So what do you got on him? Yeah, and he's someone like with with the Tommy John concerns. I mean, that's far in the past with 177 innings that's big. last year with, with New York. Like that's that's awesome. The thing I think that goes un not undetected, but underappreciated with Tyon and this just this type of pitcher is the walk rate. Like you're gonna get a really good whip out of Jameson Tyon. 100%. And that that matters a lot. And we just talked about the Cubs lineup, like with Swanson now, you know, decent at least not, not, not the total suck that it was last season. So I could, I mean, at HQ, we've got him projected for like a four ERA, which doesn't sound that great if you're just looking at ERA, but a one fourteen whip like that, that will definitely play where Tyon is going in drafts right now, which is a right around two fifty. So you take that volume with decent ratios and, probably not 14 wins again like you had with New York, maybe 10-11. Um, that's still that's still fine if you need innings to build out kind of that middle, late uh, part of your rotation. Even though, you know, the ERA won't be sexy, the strikeout rate won't be sexy, the whips and the innings I, I think will be. Yep, I'm with you. The whip is the biggest one. It's always an issue like we talked about in our early, early like recap of what we did wrong situations. Whip was a stat I know I didn't pay enough attention. I think you even mentioned it as well. And Guys like mm-hmm. Tyon can do it. It's funny. I just mentioned the three guys strikeout deals, but I think we all kind of like Tyon Walker and Eflin kind of in that order for now until we know Eflin's and ADP 251, 298, 308. So ADP kind of agrees with what we're looking at, and they, they make sense if you think about it. And maybe that 298 makes Walker a little more viable, I'll be honest, like closer to 300. But I like that Tyon at 251. That could be like your SP 5-ish or 6 yeah, maybe five even. or 6. Yep. That's not bad. Really not a bad guy to fall back on because we've seen him be not necessarily an ace, but close to an ace in rotation. And he could take that jump. You mentioned full year off of Tommy John, 177 innings. They're going to let him go in Chicago. Why not? Like that's a very intriguing option there at that uh, that ADP. Yeah. All right. Andrew Benintendi. I like this move for him. Like, yeah, Benny's never going to be the guy I think we all thought he would be. And that's fine. Like once you learn to accept that, that's great. Dude's going to be 29 this year. He's still not that old. And he's going to play with the White Sox. And that, you know what this also does? This guarantees Eloy's going to DH, you know? He's going to throw that one out yep. there until yep. injuries take place. But, you know, this is a guy, power, some speed, get him later in drafts. And more importantly, it's for average later in drafts. Like, you get a little bit of everything. And if they put him at the right spot of the order, that's big up for questions. All it takes is a Lubob injury. Seen that many times. But this is a really good landing spot for Benintendi. I, I like this a lot. I mean, I could even see Benintendi hitting – first hitting second i mean tim anderson is probably the leadoff guy for whenever tim anderson is actually in the lineup and healthy the batting average that you mentioned is huge and i'm going to do a a quick plug a quick shout out to the ftn gang uh to vlad sedler who uh just released their fantasy baseball draft guide friend of friend of the show steve weimer put an essay in there about scarcity and when we talk about scarcity in fantasy a lot of times we're talking about position scarcity Steve writes about category scarcity and I'm not going to kind of give away everything, but one of the main takeaways that I had from that article is how scarce high batting average Mm -hmm. hitters are in the, even in the middle of drafts. Um, And Benintendi is kind of a unicorn in that aspect. And the fact that Benintendi is going to the White Sox, a, if he hits, before Luba, before Eloy in that lineup, he's going to get those runs scored when he does get on base. He's an on-base machine. Um, B, he's going to compile. We were just talking about you know compiling with Dansby Swanson. Benintendi doesn't have the raw power, the raw speed to put up like super high 
homers and steals. But again, you pair that with the 650 plate appearance season with that, which only makes the elite batting average that Benny Tenney brings to the table, makes that even more valuable when you stretch that out over that many plate appearance. So this is to me like the ultimate landing spot for Ben and Tendy. He, that left-handed bat fits so well in the White Sox lineup. If he goes in that between like Anderson's Lou Bob and Eloy and you're right in that division. Those ballparks so like, favor lefties great. very well. Like it's yeah. a, and he was, he was a Royal. Like we know these things, but um, yeah, I like it a lot. I like the comment. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole on the scarcity thing. Uh, yes. And check out the FTM. Those guys do great work over there. And Vlad's our guy. And he's got, you know, Weimer. Um, I didn't read the article yet, but now I know why I had questions in a chat about scarcity because um, someone was saying that, you know, certain people don't believe in scarcity and they start going up on positions. And I said, I don't think they're talking about positions guys. And I didn't even read the article yet. I said, it's more about this, like building your point totals. They look at SGP, they look at these things. And so then what is scarce? And that's where you go to the stats department. That's a different story. And so like, like these guys look at, you can basically put numbers instead of players and they don't care what the player's name is. They want the stats to get there in the end. That's where yes. scarcity matters. And I think it's a great point because we get caught up so many times. Well, this is a shallow position. This one dries up and it's true. It does. I guess you just have to be better at stomaching not sexy players, but if your end total is where we want it, that's all that matters. And that's that's the hard part to wrap around your head because it's fantasy and you want it to be fun. You want your team to look awesome. Like, that's what you want. And so, again, I won't go down that rabbit hole. we got a lot to talk about. But it's a very interesting conversation that I think that's why some of the best players can think that way. Absolutely. It's all. It's a giant puzzle. Got to put it all mm-hmm. together. It's hard, but that's what makes it fun. No doubt about it. What makes this fun, I love this move. I really do. Brandon Drury... Um, he, his <laughs> should, AP, should he have signed with the Giants? Yeah, I'll do Probably. two years, 17 million. Are you freaking <laughs> kidding me? Even if they had Correa, they could have signed them. Like, this should have been a no brainer to me. This one, this one pissed me off more than I think Correa not coming to the Giants on Wednesday. This was the easiest move in the books. Like, cut Wilmer Flores and put Brandon Drury <laughs> in his spot. This is the dumbest <laughs> thing I've seen. Two years, 17 million dollars. Unbelievable. But I digress. Um, I drafted him the morning he signed before he signed. So I was happy about that. I'm two for two on that so far this year, but, um, I just, I love the landing spot because who's he going to take spot Fletcher? Of course, Ringifo. He should, um, Rendon probably finds the IL again at some time. Like this is just Drury can play everywhere over the, all over the infield, probably plays the outfield if you really needed him to. The angels lineup is getting better and better as long as trout and company stay healthy. Cause now you got Ward, Trout, Otani, Rendon, Renfro, Drury. What if Walsh, Ohop, like, get it going like all of a sudden this team we've made fun of for years never building around trout is kind of not like breaking the bank but they're building around him so this is a very interesting situation i love the move for jury i love it for his fantasy value what do you got i i'd like it um i think brandon drury so all the points you make are valid like and if he plays and he's around otani and trout and he will play kind of everywhere in la and la will play him i say la anaheim um will play him at a variety of spots so the versatility uh the lineup is decent i will say like i don't think brandon drury's touching 28 home runs again next season like, I, think I, think I think a lot of that fair. was yeah. i think that a lot of that was great american small park combined with just you know, the, the, the raw power was not didn't fully support the breakout. And Brandon Drury had never hit over 16 home runs in a major league season. And he's 30 years old. Like, I think regression kind of hits Brandon Drury kind of hard. Uh, but 
this skill set has value. And anyone with multi-position who's going to play every day um, is fine. So from that aspect, like landing in Anaheim is 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 good for his his value. I just don't don't take last year's stats and extrapolate that. Um, I think that's uh, I think regression, like I said, is going to going to hit him pretty hard this year. I'm sure. And I was a big Drury guy last year. I was I'm there. shooting for 20ish home runs. Just give me 20ish home runs, and I'll be. That's I'll be the happy. HQ projection is yeah, 20 I'm, on the dot. Yeah, so. I'm a realist in that in that regard for sure. But uh, yeah. Get him in that lineup. See what happens. The Dodgers made another great move. Didn't know if you guys saw it. They didn't re-sign Cody Bellinger because they're a great organization. And Cody Bellinger went to the Chicago Cubs. Um, I've bombed on Bellinger enough. I wish the guy well. He's already trying to change his swing for the 12th time, it feels like. Again, we've already seen videos this offseason. Either there's something physically wrong with the guy or there's something between his ears that are wrong. Either way, it's going to make it very tough to consistently hit a baseball. Um, maybe that changes eventually. I just won't have any shares of Cody until he does. Like it's a good spot in Chicago. A lot of pressures off of him. Go do your thing. Like that could be what he needs. Actually, who knows? I'm just I don't see it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I don't see it either. And I think the Dodgers kind of cut the cord on that. <laughs> kind of said, it yep. Just just kind of cements that there may be <laughs> something to the kind of the pressure off kind of a deal. But I don't know. I mean, the Cubs. That there's a lot of eyes. There will be a lot of eyes on Cody Bellinger next season i mean from a playing time standpoint it's great he's the everyday center fielder i i i i think i i don't think bellinger will go to first i think that's matt mervis's job to lose heading into next season the one maybe ripple effect is brennan davis one of the cubs tops top prospects maybe that eta is not as early as we thought with bellinger out in center field um but no, this doesn't really change anything with me for for Bellinger. I I've been off, and I'm probably going to be off again next year. Yep, hundred percent on board on that one. Uh, a smaller move, but does have impact in your deep two catcher leagues. Christian Vasquez, uh, your wheelhouse. Kind of, yes, this is me. Hey, I actually got a compliment from Fish on Monday night talking about the catcher's depth. I was like, my man, like, there you, you get it. You do the deep leagues, you get it. Um, yes, I figured you'd get a chuckle when you heard that. We, we all have to have our niche, right? Yep, we all have to get stuck in some hole, and I got it. Um, Christian Vasquez, he went to the Minnesota Twins, which kind of surprised me because Ryan Jeffers seemed to be good enough, kind of a twins type guy, which kind of so I was expecting like Cleveland or even the Mets or somebody else, even to stay in Houston, like over in Maldonado. It seemed like good landing spots. Or the Giants were rumored because Bart is apparently that bad, but they were spending money on Correa, so they couldn't give it to Vasquez. That's what took place. Um, I told you, we'll go full circle every single one of these if you want. Um, Vasquez goes to Minnesota. I don't know what to think. Like I kind of like Vasquez Vasquez because he played a lot and little power, little speed, decent average for catcher, which is actually kind of big. Um, but I think him and Jeffers split this pretty good now. It's not more of a – it might be like a two-thirds to a third deal. But I don't think it's a dominating like advantage to Vasquez. I don't know about you. Yeah, I I agree with that. And we saw with Houston what Houston did with Vasquez. I mean, Vasquez was pretty much not the primary catcher down the stretch with Houston last year because of the defense. I mean, Martin Maldonado had is an elite defender, so that may have had something to do with it. I I personally I wish Vasquez went somewhere else because I really like Ryan Jeffers. Yeah. Um, he would have been a target and probably still is for the reasons you just mentioned, Bubba is like, I think this is more of a split than probably most people believe, which kind of hurts the fantasy value for both of them. So like, yeah, selfishly, I wish Vasquez went somewhere else. I mean, not to go down the scarcity path again, but that batting average, I mean, Christian Vasquez as a catcher where he's going 
has hit over 270 in three of the last four seasons. And the season that he did not hit 270, he hit 258. Like that has a ton of value um, as a catcher to get that kind of batting average. And he even ran a little bit, at least with Boston. That dried up last year with just one stolen base. So I don't really like it. Um, and I, I just, I'd like to see kind of 70, 30 splits a catcher. I think this is going to be more 50, 50 with Vasquez and uh, Jeffers, assuming they're both healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of puts a, a damper on that a bit. Um, let's go to another one here that took place in the last couple of days. Ryan, what if I told you you could draft a guy that was at the top of the defending world series lineup that will hit for a pretty darn good average Power isn't quite what it used to be. It's still not horrible. I think it'll bounce back a little better than last year. And you can get him at an ADP of 443. And people can't say it's because they didn't know where he's going to sign. If you didn't think he was going back to Houston and taking advantage of that, I, mean, like, I don't know. Like That seems like the perfect storm. Michael Brantley goes back to Houston. It's projected at the top of the order. I don't know why he wouldn't because he gets on base like crazy, scores a ton of runs. And, yeah, this is ridiculous. Plus, not just – for DC values, but a great move by the defending champions and for Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley, the last, let's see, four fantasy seasons, or last five, $27, $23, $16, $15 of earnings. And last year was just five and just 200 at bat. So assuming Michael Brantley, like father time, hasn't, hasn't knocked him out. I don't think it is just because Houston brought him back. Look what they did with Justin Verlander, brought him back last year. Like Houston knows what they're doing. I think Michael Brantley hit second in that lineup right after Altuve, right before your Jose Abreu, Jordan Alvarez. Like that is just beautiful. And maybe this is going to be called the, the batting average episode. I don't know, but maybe all these guys just have great batting averages. The combination of batting average runs and just a, even just a little bit of pop in that lineup with those plate appearances is going to be sweet. And Michael Brantley is perennially underdrafted. You just mentioned his ADP Baba. So um, yeah, not, you know, hard not to like this move for Brantley again, doesn't really kick anyone out of a role fantasy wise in Houston. Um, maybe Jake Myers, but we could argue the the skill of Jake Myers in the first place. So uh, it's a great move. I, I love it. Yeah. The perfect move, baseball, fantasy, you name it. It does very well, especially your five catcher leagues, deeper leagues. Like Brailing brings a ton of quiet value to your lineup. Like really oh, yeah. does. Yep. Um, Mitch Hanniger, the biggest signing for the Giants this hey, offseason. Here Mitch we Hanniger, go. This is here a we, we talked Zach Eflin, biggest deal for the Rays in history. This is the biggest deal for the Giants this offseason. Bring it on, boys. Uh Mitch Hanniger signs for the Giants. Apparently, he's gonna be the power hitter in the middle of the order because they couldn't find one on the books to sign this offseason. And um, yeah, this fucking sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah, he's he's gonna be good. He's gonna be really good. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm wondering, do we get the 2021 guy that hit 39 homers, or do we get the guy that hits like 15 to 20? That's the million dollar question. He's not gonna run, so no. I think it'll be nice, but I don't know. This seems kind of like a, a pipe dream. Uh, I mean, it could be be a little bit more, be a little <laughs> bit happier there. I I, I think Hanager is sick. yeah, like as the highlight acquisition of your off season, no. But Mitch Hanager is moving out of a pretty terrible ballpark in Seattle, and honestly, not the best lineup. Like we can joke about the the Giants lineup all we want without Correa, like it's not great, but it's honestly not that much better, or not sorry, not that much worse than what Seattle was throwing out there. 
last season. I always think, and maybe this is just me, the Giants platoon all the time. Um, I think Hanniger's free of that. Hanniger's pretty pretty good against lefties and righties, and I think he's going to be one of those guys who uh, just plays every day. In terms of your like Bubba, you brought up, are we going to see that 2021 version of of Hanniger? Uh, no, the 250, 39 homers, 100 plus runs in RBI. I don't think that's coming back. But HQs were projecting 27 bombs. 250-ish batting average. Like, I think that's that's fine. It's kind of that dime a dozen, though, where Hanniger's going and drafts kind of a commodity. There's there's a lot of Mitch Hanniger types out there. So um, overall, it's just kind of a marginal move. I, I, I Yes, the addition of Correa and or Judge would have been massive for Hanniger in terms of uh, just turning that lineup over and getting runs in RBI. But uh, as we know, that did not. No, but what did happen is the Giants also got two pitchers, and this was a lot funnier joke last week before this <laughs> took place, but they signed Sean Manaya, and everyone knows my thoughts on Sean Manaya, but weirdly enough, I've drafted him already this year because he's going super cheap, and I like the situation. Um, I think he's he's better than I give him credit for, so when he blows up, he blows up. It's like Andrew Heaney-esque when he blows up. Uh, and, he's got, and there's been an article that came out that said he wasn't taking things as seriously in San Diego, and it was a big wake-up call for him for his career. So take that as you wish. Uh, and then the Ross Stripling deal. I loved Ross Stripling last year. Uh, he'd get you five, maybe six innings. Strikeouts were sometimes good, usually not. But he was a great um, ratio, ratio guy, and he'd get you wins in Toronto. Probably won't get you those wins with the Giants right now, but uh, I don't mind him as a late riding guard. So I like both these moves. I think Stripling literally – is like the perfect Giants pitcher. Might not be the best fantasy pitcher. He's the perfect Giants pitcher. And um, so I like the moves for the Giants fantasy-wise to, like, to be determined is what I would say. Yeah. the I mean, the so the first, the Mania thing, I I mean, if you believe in kind of taking the long, playing the long game with even with pitchers and, and trusting a track record on somebody, Sean Mania is your maybe not ultimate rebound candidate, but he's a pretty damn good rebound candidate. Mania's skills from like 2019 through 21 were, were pretty fantastic. And again, like I, I still, no matter what's kind of going on behind the scenes with San Francisco, I still do trust their ability to identify and develop talent in the starting rotation. So Sean Benaya, and he's going to go deep into games as long as he can. Um, I think, I think it's a great fit. Um, I don't, I don't love the, the, the run support, but um, that is what it is. Ross Stripling, like I, I kind of, I don't know. I get some like Jacob Junis vibes where he goes like four or five innings. I mean, that's all. And it's hard to get wins that way. Like yeah. that it, in, and in Toronto last year, like the lineup was great, but they still stripling only went like five innings most of the time or sometimes even fewer. So like, yeah. I don't know how built up stripling is to get wins and the strikeouts are already low. I had some, you know, I, he's, he's not touching a three ERA like he had last year, HQ projecting three seventy five. I'd go up near like four and um, I don't know. It's, I just kind of see some, like some blah from, from Ross Stripling. I probably actually take Manaya over Stripling right now. I don't know what their ADPs are or if you even agree with that, but no, I do. I, I have, like I said, I think I've done six drafts now, five or six. I have two Manaya shares. His ADP is three thirty-five in the month of December, where Stripling is three sixteen. Yeah, yep. I think Manaya, I've been taking Manaya every time. I like Stripling. Like I said, I think he's more of a real-life pitcher for the Giants than fantasy pitcher. Like kind of how you're saying. It's just the, the if he were to give me six regularly, I'd feel a lot better. Obviously, I just I love the the ratio help, but I love the ratio help like pick four sixteen, not three sixteen. 
Um, so that's kind of where the, the dilemma comes into play. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. The Giants, I and I agree with what you said. Like I'm very negative right now just because, like I said, every time I look on the Twitter, it's something that looks worse every time. In the end, though, I, the guys that are still doing the coaching are still there, right. and I believe in what they do with these guys. So exactly. I'm, a, I'm with you on that. The front office has me concerned right now, but that has nothing to do with the guys that are actually playing at this point in time. So we'll see how that goes. Another great move, and at first I was kind of mad because I love Josh Naylor. I love him. I still like him for fantasy this year. I do. He basically got like a clone. If you look like stat lines, a lot of similarities between Josh Bell and Josh Naylor. And Josh Bell's coming to Cleveland. Um, it's going to be great with him. We've already talked about the left-handed park factors in Cleveland on a bunch of different players already. And um, I like I like the move a lot for Josh. I, I mean, for Josh Bell. Yeah. But I've learned to like it for Josh Naylor, too, because the fact uh, Tito Francona was on the winter meetings MLB tonight, and the first thing he said he did after he con- congratulated Bell was call Naylor and said, you're ready to DH, play first, and play the alpha because you're staying in the lineup. So that's telling you that this team wants both of their left-handed bats in there. That's pretty good. Good for both of them for fantasy wise. So I I love the move for Josh Bell. Yes, and it's it's pretty apparent what Cleveland's trying to do. I mean, this fits their team like like a glove with these kind of high contact hitters that don't strike out. Josh Bell going to play every day. Park Park is much better than um, well, really like both of his teams last year. The park is better than San Diego. The lineup is a heck of a lot better than than what Josh Bell had to deal with in Washington the first part of last season. So if you're hitting in between like J Ram, Andres Jimenez, right behind Ahmed Rosario, Quan, like those guys are going to get on base. And I like that. The only thing with Naylor and I agree, like he's going to play. And I know, I know he's your boy. I just wonder like if he goes down in that Cleveland lineup, that the Cleveland lineup falls off pretty, pretty quick. You've got like, I think they just signed Zanino. So you've got that near the bottom of the order. You've got, um, maybe miles straw. If he's still there every day, center fielder i think if josh naylor goes down to like seventh or eighth in the lineup that that could be rough but he's still gonna play every day so i i I like the move for for both of those guys if you were on um either one this is what they're looking at right now Quan rosario j ram bell cleanup andres is fifth naylor six oscar gonzalez seventh i still like two yep but then it's zanino eighth straw ninth so yeah it's not horrific but i i agree though there is a drop off for sure but uh, basically, Naylor, just drive them all in. Don't score a lot of runs. That's what it kind of sp- spells out in that scenario. Um, and then maybe Miles Straw figures things out and boosts the guys up top again. We'll see. But it uh, could be a lot of mo- – Cleveland's at least – I think I can't remember who I talked to recently, but they're putting it together to make it at least respectable where it seemed like the world was mm-hmm. ending a year ago. It was, when it was probably Rube. I know you, you talked about it with yeah, Rube yesterday. I think it was talking about Class yeah. A. It's a. It is kind of impressive what Cleveland They've, has done. When it seemed like the world was on fire, which it literally looked like even if you weren't a Cleveland fan, and to go back and look at their roster now, starting rotation, bullpen, like they got a team you wouldn't be shocked if they contended for the Central again. Like they're mm-hmm. actually a decent ball club. So good baseball team. Like they, whoever's in charge of that office, they I could see the anger behind the fans, but they put it together pretty well. So I respect that. A team that's having trouble keeping a rotation intact is the Chicago White Sox, who still has Dylan Cease, but it seemed like a year or two ago, Ryan, this rotation was one of the more up-and-coming, better rotations in baseball. Like, Ronaldo Lopez, at least really good in the pen now. That's good. Lucas Gilito's still here. Which Lucas do we get? Do we get a bounce back? Lance Lynn had an up-and-down year. Still pretty good. So, top three could be really good. Could just be Dylan C still. Then it's Michael Kopech, who's a mess. And then they just re-signed Mike – they signed, not really signed, Mike Clevenger, who I am not a fan of because I think he's still broken 
ever since he came back from that injury in San Diego, it's just been ugly. And I haven't seen many signs of life to make me feel any better about it, Ryan. So I'm fully off this one. I think it's a, an innings eater potential move. That's what they're hoping for. I don't even think he can do that right now. So I was confused by this move, to be honest. Yeah, man, I'm getting some, uh, some Dallas Keuchel vibes <laughs> with this thing, to be <laughs> I, honest. I stacked uh, you, against them every time on DFS, so I, that's about the same vibes. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't want Dallas Keuchel vibes. Uh, I mean, former Cy Young, but, but I think that the Chicago White Sox version of Dallas Keuchel, I just yeah. think people see the name Mike Clevenger and want to think there's something left for that return to what we saw in 2018 and 2019. I fully agree with you, Bubba. Like this is a different guy post injury, basically every skill stat that we look at is trending in the wrong direction. Velocity was down almost two miles an hour last season compared to 2020. Um, Swinging strikes were way down. Like expected ERA from HQ is around 450. I just with those ratios, I can't see him going that deep into games. I'll I'll, I'll stop there. I'll, I should have just stopped right when I started with Dallas Geichel vibes. It's uh, it's ugly. That's the thing. Like once good, ever since the injury has not been, and that, that's kind of the dilemma with Mike Clevenger. Another fun one that it's I'm conf- like I'm in and I'm out. I have like one foot yeah. in, one foot out. Is Kyle Gibson the Baltimore? Like I've always been a a fan of late round Kyle Gibson, and usually it's been okay. Last year was disastrous. Like I kind of like there was no keeping Keiko over six ERA in Philadelphia, though. We've kind of already talked about that ballpark will eat your lunch if you're not on. That's just flat out. A ballpark that won't eat your lunch if you're not on, at least to right handed hitters, is Baltimore. And this could be one of those we saw Jordan uh, Lyles, who we'll talk about later, really perform well. There, we've seen a lot of pitchers, Bradish, um, do really well in that ballpark. This could be a really Good move to get Kyle Gibson back on track and definitely for fantasy as a late round dart or a streamer at times. So I like the move overall. Like I'm not going all in on Kyle Gibson, but I like the move. No, I mean, I don't think many are going all in on Kyle Gibson, but you don't have Justin to. Justin Mason might. Unless your name's Justin Mason, of yeah. course. Um, you don't have to. ADP is 450. Like similar <laughs> to what we were talking about with like Taiwan Walker. If you need innings near the end of your rotation these are going to be i think decent innings i know kyle gibson had a 505 era last season he's had a five plus era in two of the last three seasons but i think well i know his skills are a lot better than that i think baltimore sees that and and the park is great and the lineup the run support i think you know not great but baltimore is a, a pretty damn good team so um i think if you're expecting like maybe a four-ish era League average, maybe a little bit worse than league average whip, but someone who I think is going to go deep into games, get some wins. Um, you could do a lot worse at a 450 ADP. Yep, 100% with you there. Uh, on the sheet, we have Jose Quintana. We talked about him last week when we talked about Singa. So we will we will move on from that when we all encompass that great move to be the fifth pitcher in New York to put together another quality role. Hey, Correa plays great defense behind Quintana. I yep. really, really <laughs> appreciate that. So that'll yeah, work. He gets out. a boost because of the yeah, because really of work. Correa yeah. for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll add that that to the conversation that we did not talk about last week because for obvious reasons. Um, but we will what we will talk about is the Dodgers made an interesting move to me. They went and added Noah Syndergaard. Um, obviously, the strikeouts were down a big amount last year. Really concerning. Like dropped tremendously. But he still won about 135 innings, which is good to see off the injury. 
Uh, his ERA was below four, which was good to see, considering he wasn't getting the strikeouts, so he's pitching, which is good to see. Now he goes to the Dodgers, and it's, we know how the Dodgers do things. Like this is one of those moves um, with an ADP of three eighty-seven that at least has my curiosity. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be the guy that strikes out, you know, a million batters, but could the six point nine K per nine get to eight point five? I wouldn't be shocked, or at least eight. Like there could be a jump. Maybe he's broken, but I think if any team can figure it out, it will be the Dodgers. So I'm kind of buying in on this move. It's just an intriguing move to me. That's what has has me perplexed with Syndergaard, man. Because I mean, I've said a couple of times already, appeal to authority. Um, that with what the Giants have done, that 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 the Dodgers are even better at optimizing their their rotation. So I, when I saw this news, I went back and looked and tried to find like reasons to be excited for Noah Syndergaard. It's tough. I don't see anything. He made a pitch mix change kind of when he was traded last season in the middle of the year. The skills got even worse after that change. Like I, I just, I do not see it. And not, not to say it's not there. Like I said, LA, <laughs> that front office can run laps around me. Um, he doesn't have to face Carlos Correa in division. So that that's a bonus. <laughs> um, but just to, just to twist that in there. But I just, I don't. I don't see it, man. I really don't. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I, I cannot see a path as Noah Syndergaard being like this year's Tyler Anderson. And I feel like the market is going to not assume that, but I think that's going to be kind of baked into Syndergaard's price. And I think I'm still off just because I, I need to see something. Um, and maybe I'm not looking in the right spots. I'm probably not, but I don't see it. And so therefore, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be in. Yeah, no, I, I'm, like I said, it's like one foot in, one foot out. I'm, kind of, I'm interested because of the Dodgers, basically. That's got my peak interest. But uh, and that's the only reason. <laughs> pretty much because that drop off in, you, in the pitch mix you mentioned, it's disastrous. Like it's so bad. So, so bad. And I remember like a lot of his starts last year, I, I didn't go back into them lately, but just doing DFS every day, you would think you'd want to stack against him and he'd do just enough not to get shelled, but not be great. That was a consistent thing with him. That's why his ERA is below four, but he wasn't striking guys out. It was like the most frustrating outings over and over and over again. So, right. I don't know. See what happens. The Oakland Athletics, they made a surprising splash to me and got Trevor May, who's one of the better setup men in baseball with some closing potential. Basically, a guy they could trade at the deadline if things work out. I thought he'd, he'd walk right in as the uh, closer until then. Ryan Roof does not believe he'll be the closer. I guess time will tell. He Ryan, I'll be, I'll be, I won't speak everything for Ryan, but he also said I wouldn't touch the Oakland bullpen because there's a million different pieces there. So take take your picks. But I thought when they signed May, it was like a clear shot. Okay, we're gonna give him the first go. It just made sense to me. But guys that are smarter than I with relievers said no. So we'll see what happens. I still think there's a chance, but um, yeah, interesting move. I don't know if there's a ton to it unless he is closing. Yeah, I mean that's basically it, and I I trust I trust Roof's um, analysis of the Oakland pen over over what I can do. The I mean I will say like Trevor May's skills really kind of fell off in 2022. I know he had that kind of triceps. Yep, he was hurt with an arm injury, but I mean (laughs) he was hurt with an arm injury, so that I mean that's not good. Um, But yeah, the the swinging strikes were way down um, last year, so like. I don't know. I a roster resource has Trevor May as the closer, which probably in itself boosts his ADP a little bit. But unless Oakland comes out and says so, I, I'm probably not touching this one. There was a really cool, this is a little bit just of a sidebar, but Trevor May is like 
he's a good dude, man. He um he man. actually there's a story. I, there was a Prospects Live wrote a piece about Trevor May and, and kind of some tweaks he made. And Trevor May actually like read it and incorporated it into his off-season training <laughs> this off-season yeah. actually replied to them on twitter and said thanks for the you know thanks for the tips and things like that so that was kind of cool he is somebody who is and i'm i mean probably every major league pitcher is like this but he's 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 actively trying to get better he's yeah. embracing kind of the underlying the driveline kind of stuff and um so i wouldn't put improvement past him but based on the injury based on this bullpen it's uh i don't know not yeah, that he's, excited. he's um He's one of the guys that's on the Chris Rose show I talk about a lot. He's one of like the six guys in the rotation. So I've gotten to kind of learn about him a lot through that. He's a big time gamer. So he interacts with yeah. fans a lot in yep. that regard. I believe he's from up in your neck of the woods is where he's originally from up in the Washington area, I believe. So close to you in a roundabout way. Um, obviously he lives in New York, but he's a cat person up in Washington area. So Longview. he's going to love, he's from Longview. He, no, yes. Yeah, he told you he's going to love Oakland. Um, so just throwing that out there. Um, I'm curious because I looked at another, oh. I looked at another site we love. I'm not going to say their names. I don't know if they want me giving out their information. I know you're a member there as well, and probably about eighty percent of the listeners here are. And they have May in a committee with two other relievers in Oakland, also, which is kind of what Ryan was speculating. So it's he might get his chances. We just don't know to what extent, but we'll see. We'll see. I think he'll actually love Oakland because he is so fan friendly. Like he'll embrace that culture. That's the one thing about there. The diehard fans are fun. I'll say that much. Baseball's best dive bar or last dive bar. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that quote about the Coliseum. Yep. It'll be great. Uh, David Robertson signed with the Mets. Basically um, there's hope he'd go back to like Philly or somewhere to get a closing gig. Obviously that ain't happening now. So kind of put the, put that one to bed. Agreed. Um, a fun one here because I made tons of jokes about Andrew Heaney for all my times. He signs with the Rangers, and this is interesting because great ballpark to pitch in so far, as we've seen. Um, the thing with Heaney is as much trouble as I give him, as crap as I give him, lots of strikeouts, and when he's not giving up a million home runs, which isn't all the time, he's actually pretty good, like pretty good. So this could be a great spot for him. I've actually drafted him. I believe I drafted him in our gladiator, or at least one of my two gladiators. Um, I think there's something there with Heaney, and I like this move a lot for him. I know there's something there. There's yeah. a lot there. Um, yeah. I mean, what 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 Andrew Heaney did last season, a 17% swinging strike rate, a velocity that is on the upswing since 2020, a 310 ERA that was – pretty much fully supported by the skills like that dude can pitch and i'm of the belief and i always will be that andrew heaney or really any pitcher for the most part is not homer prone unless they give up a ton of fly balls which andrew heaney does have a little bit of a fly ball tilt but andrew heaney each of the last two seasons has an 18 percent home run to fly ball rate the league average last year was 11 percent and HQ's research continues to show that homer to fly ball rate is pretty much random from year to year. So I think if you take, you look at like an XFIP that Fangraphs puts out there, I think if you take Andrew Heaney's homer to fly ball rate and put that at league average, which is just as likely to happen as him re- repeating an 18% uh, from last year, you've got a dude who's going to rack up Ks, who's going to be in the low threes, and who's a really good pitcher. Now I haven't talked at all about the health. <laughs> that's the that's elephant in the one. room. Yep, that's but, a big one. But on a per inning basis, man, this guy is. Uh, I think he's elite. 
personally. Yeah, no, I I got I'm kind of buying. I'm never going to say elite with Andrew Heaney, but I have come to the camp elite. of these. I've come to the camp that he's very good. I, I've gone that far. That's saying a lot for me to admit right, my faults in those regards. The funny thing when it comes to uh, Andrew Heaney, and you mentioned the health history, the Rangers have Jacob DeGrom. Don't know if you know about his health history. Yeah. Uh, you got Heaney. You got Odorizzi, who's got health issues slash home run ballitis. Um, but then you have Martin Perez is whatever. And John Gray, like John it's, Gray. It's, a, it's an interesting rotation and, and like yeah. tons of upside, but also like, uh, whew, it could get, it could open the door for Glenn Otto and company real quick. Oh, <laughs> so, streamers so, delight. Glenn yeah, Otto, Spencer Howard, Glenn Otto. It could really open the door for some trouble. That a was big, like big the way. most perilous week of my fantasy year last year. I picked up Glenn Otto for a two step. Oh, I think I he walked like eight guys in the two, but he got two wins. And That's I cut him, him so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I cannot handle this guy. So um, there's a there's a decent chance this Rangers rotation in like August looks awful <laughs> with uh-huh. all those injuries. Uh-huh. Um, it's going to be yeah, boomer bust. It's, it's going to be boomer bust down there. Bleak for sure. But Ryan, we'll wrap it up there. We got pretty far on our list. Um, actually, farther than I thought we, we did. Were we got yeah. fire. I thought we were gonna get. So we'll have a part three slash maybe something. No, there'll probably be a million more moves. So part three coming up to start the new year off. But um, yeah, it's been fun. The, the hot stove's been great to get us going. Um, gladiators are all filled up. So those will be wrapping up here in the next couple of weeks. You're in the last one, I believe, mid January or something. Um, yep. And then it's DC season, 50 season, best ball season, and pretty soon real draft season. So. Lots of fun coming up. Any final thoughts as we wrap up the 2022 season? Yeah, wrap up the calendar year here. Uh, it's been a blast, man. Been a blast. The listeners, the questions, the comments throughout. I will be back. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to unplug while I'm down in Arizona. A couple rounds of golf, spend some time with the family, that sort of thing. But I'll be back. I think, yeah, we're flying back New Year's Day. And I'll probably jump in a, a draft champions like january 2nd or 3rd so i'll put something out there yeah we'll uh we'll we'll figure something out to get some get some friends in that league and and get drafting because um it is about to it's about to get real once the once the it's funny like once the calendar turns to january i mean this is my first kind of cycle podcasting but i just know like from twitter and getting followers and that sort of thing it really picks up once once football kind of dies down and january hits it's like a switch comes on and so i'm 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 super excited for just the whole draft season to swing into full force yep it's coming and it's gonna come fast so i'm looking forward to yeah. it we'll get your positions figured out for you we'll get all the fun stuff get you ready to draft maybe do another stream or two we might have some other fun stuff uh coming up if a certain leagues pan out the way we think they might uh there, there, there could be some fun coming your guys's way when it comes to content wise for you guys and for us i think to do it all so like Ryan said, thanks for listening to us, guys. It's been an awesome first run together here, and it's going to be it's gotten better as the years go on. So I'm looking forward to 2023. And to you, my friend, have a merry Christmas. Enjoy the family, safe travels. Hopefully, you can get out of uh, home to get to Arizona. Yeah. That, yeah. That'd be a good start. And hopefully, it's not a monsoon when you play golf in Arizona this time because the guy says nice shorts, dude, or nice shorts weather. Yep. I can, I just I can picture it now. So yep. yeah, the as as the locals all head into the clubhouse, the tourists are all continuing to play in a monsoon. And yeah, the old guys are all making fun of me because I'm out there in shorts and a t-shirt. That was just so that was, was classic. Man. It was wild. It was wild, but great times, great podcasting. <laughs> Everything was awesome. We'll be back to you guys 
I believe it would be January 5th will be our first episode of the next season. So you hope you guys all have a great holiday season. Stay safe, stay healthy. And um, this was Bubba and the Bloom, episode 33. Catch you guys next time.